Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. If you have it, say, mm-hmm. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Father, we thank you for this time. Remove me, place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. That he that has an ear, let him hear. Father, let faith grow. Let faith arise. Let it go from one level to the next. Let our faith grow here today. Father, we give it all right back to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. You may go ahead and be seated here today. Today, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it right here, right now. Now, you know that you're in Victory Outreach because we just played that song right there. Most churches will probably never play anything like that. But here, we're going to play that. Now, what's very important to me because a lot of times, especially in the background and the culture where we come from, we come from a culture of broken, broken homes, broken families, broken mindsets, and also broken financial systems. So we think that, well, I got saved now. God wants me to stay poor. God don't want you to stay poor. God never intended for you to, to be poor, never at all. Were you poor? Probably. At one time, many of us, we know exactly what it's like to have some cereal and have a whole lot of water with it, just the way you grew up. Some of us didn't even have that. Some of us barely, you probably had the same shoes for about 10 years growing up. That's just the way that it was. And so we think, well, that's poorness. And so as long as I stay away from that, then I'm not poor. Actually, I know a lot of people that have, they're so poor, all they have is money. They're still poor. So a lot of people think, well, as Christianity, how do we deal with this? And one thing I've learned in seeing in the churches, seeing so many different struggle, so many different people struggle when it comes to finances. I want you to know something. God has given you the victory over the struggle that you have within your life, and you do not have to stay in that bondage anymore. God has given you the victory. Somebody say the victory. See, if you want what normal people have, then you got to do what normal people do. If you want to live a stressed out life, then do what normal people do. Have the same old thing. But if you want to get off of that normality, then you're going to have to jump onto the narrow road. If you want the peace, the understanding, the meaning, the purpose, then you're going to have to be able to say, okay, God, I want to get your understanding and not my understanding. Something that's very important, especially within our church. Now, in a few weeks, I, you're definitely going to want to be here because I'm going to be starting a, a series on anger management. We're going to talk about it. Tell your neighbor, he's going to be talking about you. We're going to have anger management classes in a little bit. But not right now. Right here, this is going to be a little bit more of a teaching. If you've been here the past couple of weeks, we've been having some great preachings. We've been having a lot of different great preachers come behind the mic. Even on Thursday night, if you get an opportunity, listen to the podcast. Pastor Manuel preached a powerful message this Thursday night. We have so many different messages that you can listen to, and they're great for your work, on your drive, when you're at your computer. Listen to those. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. That's how it's going to be able to grow. So here today, I want to give you a faith boost through the teaching, but the teaching of understanding through finances. 
Because far too often, we think in a different way. Many of you here this morning, the way that you're living is you're living by check to check. I'm just making it. and I'm just making it. All right. I'm just there. Listen, when you learn the scriptures, God wants to bless you, not just for you, but so that you can be a blessing to others. That's what the Bible says. And we're going to read it. We're going to talk about it. And we're going to see it right here, right now. So I want you to understand, if you are in that uh, current cycle where you say, well, I'm making it, and at least I'm making it, I want you to know something. God doesn't want you just to barely make it. He wants you to be a blessing to those around you, to your family, to your friends, to the hurting, to the oppressed, to the homeless, to the missionary. He wants you to be a help and a blessing to those. I want to give you a story I heard. It's actually a true story of an, an American investment banker he was at the pier of a small coastal Mexican village when a small boat with just one fisherman docked. Inside the small boat were several large yellow fin tuna. The American complimented the Mexican on the quality of his fish and asked how long it had took him to catch them. The Mexican replied, only a little while. The American then asked, well, then why didn't he stay out longer and catch more fish? The Mexican said that he had caught enough to support his family's immediate needs. The American then asked, but what do you do with the rest of your time? The Mexican fisherman said, I sleep late, I fish a little, play with my children, take siestas with my wife, Maria. I stroll into the village each evening where I sip a little wine and play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life. The American kind of scoffed at him and said, I'm a Harvard MBA, and I can help you. You should spend more time fishing with the proceeds. Buy a bigger boat. With the proceeds from the bigger boat, you could buy several boats. Eventually, you would have a fleet of fishing boats. Instead of selling your catch to a middleman, you would want to sell directly to the processor, eventually opening your own cannery. You would control the product, processing, and even the distribution. You would need to leave this small coastal fishing village and move to Mexico City and then L.A. and eventually to New York City where you will run your own expanding enterprise. The Mexican fisherman asked, but how long will all that take? The American replied, mm, about 15 to 20 years. But what then? The Mexican asked. The American laughed and said, that's the best part. When the time is right, you would announce an IPO and sell your company and stock to the public and become very rich, and you would make millions. Millions, he said. Then what? The American said, then you would retire, move to a small coastal village, fishing village where you would sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take siestas with your wife, stroll down the village in the evenings where you could sip wine and play guitar with your amigos. In other words, are you content with what God has given you already? Because if you're not content now, you're not going to be content with millions. If you don't know how to handle $10, what makes you think you're going to be good if you win the lotto and get $10 million? You have to learn how to be 
content. Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures here today. Verse 11 says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever the circumstances. I know what, is to be in, what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You ever notice how a lot of people use that scripture and they put it out of context? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, but it has to do with contentment. In other words, you can do with what God has already given you. See, can you have the strength enough to discipline yourself with $100? Can you have strength enough to discipline yourself with the check that God has given you? Or is it, oh, man, God's given me all this, but, man, I can deal with just a little bit more. Like, wait, 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 hold on. Are, are, are you going for your need or are you going for your want? See, the strength has to do with the discipline, not having to do with, well, I'm going to be able to do anything and everything that I want. No, be content with what God has given you. Can you be content with that? Listen, we, we talked about it even a little while ago. Listen to me. For those of you that are single, be content with what's in front of you. Be content. Well, uh, don't watch them wandering eyes, singles. Watch them wandering eyes. See, that's that's why. Is somebody asked me the other day? Well, can Christians go to clubs? Can go to clubs? And you know what I told them? I said, I'm not going to tell you you can. I'm not going to tell you you can't. I'm just going to tell you I know what grows in clubs. That's it. That's all I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you you can. I'm not going to tell you you can't. I'm just going to tell you I know what grows in clubs. See, this is very important. Right here in church, guess what we're growing? Disciples. Because that's what the church grows. When you go to the club, guess what it grows? People that just have their way with anybody at any time, at any moment. That's just what grows. See, so you got to be very careful where you plant your heart. Because your heart and your treasure are together. See, and that's why sometimes, man, I ain't got no money. Well, where were you spending your money last night? Where were you spending your money the other day? Where was it going? Are you content with what God has given you? Are you content with God? How about that one? Are you content with God? See, God's got so much more for you than just what you're wearing on your shoulders. He's got so much more for you just for we're just driving on the way over here, having good rims and having a nice car and sitting in a, in a nice house. God's got so much more for you than just possessions. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And when you understand it and you see it, you begin to have that contentment like the Apostle Paul. And then you can say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Winston Churchill said, you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. Learning to be content. The word content is mentioned seven times in the scriptures, and six times it has to do with money. See, what I love about this scripture is that Paul said, I learned what it is like to be content. So in other words, you weren't born with this. You have to learn this. So for those of you that say, man, I keep having this struggle over and over and over and over. Okay, you were born in the struggle, but you don't have to stay in the struggle. Right? Yes, maybe some of you, you were born in a mentality that was very poverty-stricken all around you. Maybe you were born like that, but you don't have to stay like that. You can learn this. You can learn these principles. Now, what's very important, and I've shared this before, and I'll say it again. A lot of these principles that I share with you, 
these are principles that people apply that are not even Christian, but they know the principles, they understand the principles, and they apply these principles, and they're very good because they know what it is. They are blessed people. So for those of you that are here that are still struggling, I would challenge you with this. If you're struggling with your salvation, apply these principles and watch what God will do within your life. Just try it. Just try it. And understanding and knowing that God, what God wanted to do with Paul, he wants to do with us. Paul says that there is a secret. See, it's a little something in understanding the contentment. In other words, not everybody knows this, but it's a secret to those. The Bible says that secret is revealed to those who are in the faith, who have understanding. The secret is knowing, doing, and trusting. I'll just give you those things real quick. Knowing. Knowing what God requires of us and handling our possessions. Doing what God has required of us and trusting God to provide exactly what he knows best. Trusting God. Now, I'm going to give you these three levels real quick, real fast, and then we're done. Because I believe I want to see God's people blessed. I would love to see God's people driving up into this church with brand new cars. I can't wait for those of you here to say, Pastor, look at my keys. I got keys to a brand new house God has blessed me with. However... If you come up to me in a selfish way, I will correct you. Because did you get the car all about you? Did you get the house all about you? Or did you want others to be blessed about it? Because that's the way, the biblical way of understanding the blessings. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to share about that. Listen, everything that I have, I've always prayed, God, don't ever let me keep it to myself. Anything and everything. Uh, the other day, one of the guys, they asked me for uh, they like my shirt. Actually, I should rephrase that. They didn't ask me. He just liked my shirt. He goes, oh, it's a nice shirt. I go, oh, it's cool, right? You like it? I, I kind of forgot what it was. Oh, nice shirt. I go, yeah. I go, here you go. I just took it off and gave it to him. He goes, no, 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 no. Said, no, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Now, for those of you that are saying, well, pastor, why are you saying that? Because you have to be able to catch the spirit of giving. If you think it's only money, then you're losing the whole purpose. Money is nothing but a piece of paper. It's the spirit of giving. And trust me, I don't have a whole lot of money. Some of you are sitting here. I know you ain't got a whole lot of money, but you have the spirit of giving. When you understand that principle, tithes, offerings, and generosity, it goes far beyond that. See, the first level is the level of promise. Somebody say promise. The second level is the level of generosity. Someone say generosity. And the third level is the level of sacrificial, sacrifice. The level of sacrifice. The first level of promise is the base of fundamental giving. The promise. How many married couples do we have here? Raise your hand. Okay, let me, let me rephrase that. How many happily married couples do we have here? A few of you didn't raise your hand. You're like, eh. I felt the spirit of Yosemite Sam right there. Right in front of right in front of right in front of but for those of you that are married, when you had the ceremony, whether it was at the courthouse or the church house, there is what they call the vows. The vows are there, and you share them with your lips, but you express them in your spirit. Right? That's how marriage works. You say them with your lips. I promise to have and a hold in sickness and in health for richer, for poor, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor. We should make everybody say richer, for poor like ten times. Richer for poor, richer for poor, richer for poor. I used to say that at least like ten times. Seven times, maybe God's number. Say it seven times. 
But in that vow that you make as a married person, whether husband or wife, the vow is called a promise. Now, for those of you that are married, that day you're so excited. Yes, I'm married. She's the best. I love her. She loves me. We're in love. Some of you probably even sang to your wife and you can't sing for nothing. Always and forever. This moment with you. Right? Because you're, you're so happy you started the vow. You started the promise. But then comes the process. <laughs> Always and never. What's wrong with you, girl? I can't believe you'd be saying stuff like that. I can't, I can't believe I married you. Like, wait, wait, wait what, what happened to always and forever? Uh-uh. Yeah, but you don't know. You don't understand. See, what you have to understand is that a vow is a spiritual thing. It is a spiritual commitment that you make. See, David, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, he says, No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God birth offerings that cost me nothing. See, the, the David spirit understood that, listen, I made a vow a long time ago, and whatever I said then, then I need to keep now. It's the level of promise. See, when you make a promise unto God, see, everybody loves to come to Christ to get the promises, but forget that we also have a promise unto God. Promises work two ways, right? I promise to stay with you. I promise the love and the whole, I have a sickness and in health. All right. Now, if we're honest, especially as married couples, hasn't it been a little difficult to keep those vows, right? It's been a little difficult. Okay, maybe you won't say it. I'll say amen for you. Amen. It's been difficult to keep the vows. It's hard to keep that promise. Man, I, 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 can I go back to that day and just switch what I said? I didn't really mean that. I mean, I meant that, but not that. It's like, man, this, this is hard. Of course it's hard, but it's called a promise. You have to keep your promise unto God. See, and what you and I have is a promise when it comes to our giving. Somebody say giving. See, when you understand the promise, you and I must understand that we need to keep the promise sacred. We don't say that word enough. Sacred. Marriage is sacred. The promise unto God is sacred, and the promise he has given us, it's sacred. In other words, he wants to give you everything that he always told you even when you first got saved. If God gave you a promise for your mom, she's going to get saved. If God gave you a promise for your son or your daughter, it's going to happen. Keep the promise sacred. He's keeping it sacred with you. Now you keep it sacred with him. The first level is a level of promise. It's understanding the tithes and the offerings. When it comes to finances, some people say, well, I can't afford to give. Listen, when it comes to a promise, you can't afford not to give. You can't afford not to give. See, when you understand the mindset and it changes things around, all of a sudden you understand that the tithe is the giving off the top, even though it's the lowest level. Now, I could stay and camp right here for a very long time, but I'm not going to. Let me just break it down really quick. The tithe in the Hebrew means tenth. Somebody say tenth. So whenever you hear that word tithe, it's a Hebrew word for tenth. 
So the tenth, the tenth of something, the tenth of, uh, of whatever has been given to you, and understanding that, you will know that in giving, all good and perfect things come from above, the Bible says. So God has given you great things, but you need to be a good steward. God has given you 24 hours. Are you giving him a tithe of your time? See, some of you think you have to wake up just to go to work. No, what about your tithe? Did you give your tithe to God of your time? You see the mentality shift? It changes when you understand the promise, when you understand the God, I give you my life. Just not today because I got to work really, really hard today and all day. You know, I got that double overtime, so we're going to be doing this all day. And so you understand, right, God? Is it, you know, it's good. We buddies like that. You, know, you feel me, right? And all of a sudden we get into the mindset of where the promise doesn't become sacred anymore. It's not the same. I'm giving some teaching right now. Is that okay? We're, we're, we're really getting into this here. Now, even when it comes to the, the tithes and, and the offerings, you know, some people have asked, well, do I tithe on the gross or do I tithe on my net? Do I tithe on the gross or do I tithe on the net? You know what's funny is that I was doing some research. Did you know that only 2.7% of evangelical Christians tithe? 2.7%. Of Christians tithe so what that means is that that's less than a tithe of a tithe here in the church of people that tithe so if you're here wondering well do I tithe on my gross or do I tithe on my net how do I tithe? well most people ain't even doing that just learn what it is to fulfill your promise Getting the ties and understanding that. See, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Some of you have it already open in your Bibles. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your bars will be filled to overflowing and your vats brim with the new wine. With the new wine. So many men in the Bible gave God their first fruits and they were all very blessed. This is very important. See, this principle of first fruits is the principle of promise. It's the principle of promise. Because when you understand the tithes and the offerings and you understand the promise, you understand the first fruits. Now, this is very important because you're going to hear this word a whole lot. The tithes are the first fruits. In other words, giving what is God off the top. Not off the middle. Not when later, well, let me think about it. Let me evaluate. Let me say, no, no, no. Off the top. Somebody say off the top. That's what first fruits is. First fruits is understanding that maybe the rest of the fruits may not be all that great, but I'm going to give anyways. When it comes to the first fruits, it's a harvesting thing. A harvester, a farmer. Somebody say a farmer. Hayward High School is called the... They were looked at here in Hayward. When you study the, the, the history of Hayward, Hayward was known for farming. And so Hayward farmers, if anybody should be great at this, it should be the Haywardites. Are we Haywardites? Haywardins? Hayward, Haywardos? Hayweirdos? Sounds about right. So if there's anybody that should know about farming, some of your family, especially if you're from Hayward, your grandparents and their great-grandparents were a part of the farming and a part of the agricultural system here in the Bay Area. And when you ask any of those farmers, they will tell you that the first fruits are the most important ones because they will determine how good the rest of your fruits are. So when you understand the first fruits and you want them, the rest of your fruits to be blessed, your first fruits are very important. So if I were you, I would just keep the promise. 
Whatever that promise is. Now, again, I'm not going to go into a long uh, thing on this first level. I want to focus on the second level. But a first level with the tithes and the offerings, there's multiple tithes. And when you understand that, uh, your mentality will totally shift. Because the Bible says, you rob me, rob me in tithes and offerings. Understanding the tithes. In other words, just don't give to the church. If you're only giving to the church, then you're not giving the whole tithe. There's a lot of people out there. They need the money that's in your pocket. There's a lot of homeless out there. Did you know that's a part of the tithe? Did you know that? Giving to the homeless is a part of your tithe. Giving to the missionaries is a part of your tithe. Did you know that? I should probably spend a whole lot longer on just talking about that, huh? One day I will. I want to get to the second level. Somebody say second level. Generosity. This kind of goes along with it. Matthew chapter 28, verse 17 says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. All authority. Somebody say authority. Yesterday, we played with the authorities. The police, right? The police are the authorities of the streets, right? And what's funny is that when I seen the officers in their softball gear, I didn't think anything. I was like, all right, I'm just playing these guys. We're going we're gonna to have a good time. It wasn't until I saw the other officers show up, and I looked at them, and I was like, oh, man. Well, uh, you know, like my mind started going, did I, where did I park? Did I park in the red? Like, you know, my mind really started going right there. Because now these men and these women, they were officers, but they just weren't dressed like it. They were dressed in plain clothes. But when I saw the other officers, they came in their vest, they had their gun, they had their walkie-talkie. They, I mean, they were dressed. They were like, whoa. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's like you don't know how to act sometimes. You're like, whoa. Because they're the authority. And so because when they step on the scene, everything changes. Everything changes. The Bible says that God gave you the authority. Somebody say Authority. Everything that was given to him was now given to you. You have the authority. We have this TV right here, okay? And let's say I pay for this TV, right? I take this TV. Let's just say I'm going to take it off, right? I'm going to take it off. I'm just kidding. I'm going to leave it right here. But I take it off, and I pick it up, and I bring it over here, and I throw it on the ground. Now, right away, some of you are like, oh, man. I need a TV in my room. Oh, why, why would he do that? Well, I could do what I want with it. I pay for it. It's mine. I could do whatever I want. Why? Because I paid for it. Therefore, I have the authority. If I want to break it, if I want to turn it upside down, if I wanted to put it in the back room, if I want to put it up there, I can put it wherever I want. Why? Because I paid for it. See, what you need to understand is that God paid for you. And he can give you whatever he wants to. Now, this is very important for those of you that say, why is he getting blessed and I'm not getting blessed? Because he's God's and God could do whatever he wants with him. Well, how come she's got, I've been working, I've been saved longer than him. I've been saved longer than her. How come she's getting, it's because they belong to God and God can give to whoever he wants to. That's the way that it is. God blesses, the, the rain shines on the good and the evil. That's the, the, the sun rises on the good and the bad, the Bible says. Whatever he wants to do. The authority, God has given that, God has that authority. Now, what's very important is that God gave you that authority. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people or the city rejoices. When the righteous are in authority, the city rejoices. 
Now, I've shared this part real quick before, and I'm going to share it real fast. The word righteous is sadak. Somebody say sadak. The word righteous is sadak. Now, what's very important, the righteous or the sadak, when they are in authority, the Bible says that the city, the town, rejoices. When the righteous show up on the scene, everything changes. Like, oh, okay, what's going on here? So what's very important is that you and I must understand is that God has given us the authority to be righteous. When you are a righteous person, you can change the atmosphere of any house. Did you know that? You can change the atmosphere of any job. You can change the atmosphere, watch this, of any heart. The word righteous is sadak. There's another word in the Hebrew called sadaka. That word is generous. Somebody say generous. A generous person is a righteous person, and a righteous person is a generous person. Watch this. You ever uh, go out to the store or maybe to a restaurant, and you see people out there asking, say, hey, you know, can you buy me some food? And for some of you, you say, hey, yeah, and you, and you buy them food. Whenever you buy them food, don't you see their face change? Like, oh, thanks. Ah, oh, thanks. Why? Because when the righteous are in their rightful place, everything changes. Because why? Because you changed their life. You were a generous person. Generosity kills everything that was before. They were oppressed. They were depressed five minutes before. They felt like giving up. They felt like changing everything. I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to be here. You know, all these different choices in their mind. Maybe I'll move out of here. Maybe I'm going to do this. Maybe I'm going to do that. But when the righteous are in authority... Everything changes. Everything changes. You know what's crazy is that the Bible talks about generosity and righteous, righteousness so much that Jesus would talk about it more than any other topic in the scriptures. Did you know that? He talked about that more than any other topic, more than heaven, hell, and sin, and faith combined. Jesus talked about generosity. Did you know that? That's heavy, huh? That Jesus would talk about generosity, being a giving person, not being a person who's always receiving. It is more blessed to than to receive. See, when you understand that, it changes everything. See, you and I must understand that a generous person changes the life of other people around them. For 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, turn with me there. and I'm going to get ready to close right here. I want to read this whole verse because, well, actually not the whole chapter, but a lot of these different verses. Because this is what's going to show you something. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. And then as you're turning there, because a lot of times when we talk about righteousness and we talk about generosity, we teach it wrong. And we share it wrong, or we think about it wrong. In other words, righteousness becomes, well, at least I'm not a person who cusses anymore. Therefore, I'm a good person. I don't drink anymore. Therefore, I'm a good person. I don't smoke. I don't go out late night anymore. I don't do that stuff anymore. Therefore, because I don't do that, I'm a good person. But in the scriptures... It's actually the other way around. It's not what you don't do. It's what you do for others that makes you a righteous person, that makes you a generous person. It's not what you don't do. It's what you are doing. And when you understand that, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, do you have that? If you have it, say amen. 
If somebody needs it next to you, you know, get a Bible, have them read it with you. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap sparingly. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. We'll just stop right there. We're going to read the rest of it. Not reluctantly, in other words, when the buckets go by or when somebody, when the opportunity comes, they're like, well, I don't really want to give, but I'm going to give because I have to. No, you don't have to do anything. If you don't want to give, don't give. Right? That's crazy, huh? You don't hear a whole lot of preachers say that, but I'm going to tell you. If you don't want to, don't, because don't give reluctantly. Or, the Bible says, let's go the other extreme. Don't be a person that is always moved with your feelings under compulsion. Oh, well, I guess I just got, I'm going to give now. I just got, no, no, no. You need to purpose in your heart. In your heart. See, get the promise now. Understand the promise now. What is sacred to you now? Your tithes and your offerings should be sacred to you now. And when you understand that, you will give cheerfully. Somebody say cheerfully. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase you, uh, your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Somebody say righteousness. That's the sadaka right there. You will be made rich in every way. Look at this. So that you can be generous on every occasion. Do you see that there? See, for those of you that say, well, I want to be rich. If you're not a generous person now, you're going to have millions of dollars but still be poor. You're still going to be poor. Because all you're going to have is millions of dollars. But you're not going to have any promise to be fulfilled in your life. You're going to miss the generosity. Okay, let's keep reading right here. It says, you will be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. These scriptures right here show how the Lord is returning an increase materially for you and I in order to bless those who are in need, being a generous person. Not being a person who's always looking for a handout. But every time you stretch out your hand, it's to bless others. Listen, I know who I'm talking to. I understand this is victory outreach, and we live in a society, or in a culture, I should say, that is here. You, you need to understand something. You are more blessed and more rich than what you know. Pastor Daryl and Gloria are here, and they live in, in the third world country for a very long time. I'm going to be honest with you. When I traveled to the Philippines, that changed my whole life. It really did. It changed my whole life. The way I thought, the way I ate, the way I just did, it just changed my life. It changed my perspective. Because when you see people, the way that they're living, and the way that we live here, many of us, we talk like, man, I'm broke right now. Okay, I'm going to go get in my car, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to watch Netflix. You're not broke. You may not be happy, but you're not broke. See, if you're looking for hap happiness, you're depending on happenings. Somebody gives you $10, I'm happy. Your boss gives you a bonus of $1,000, I'm happy. But then your boss deducts your pay, I'm not happy. This is horrible. Why is this happening to me? This shouldn't be happening to me. 
Look, if you're not content with what you make now, you're not going to be content whether you have more or whether you have less. If you're not a generous person now, trust me when I say this. I, I gave the statistic of, uh, last time about millionaires who won the lottery, right? Uh, I think it was only 2% or 2.3% 2 of millionaires who won the lottery kept their money. The rest of them became broke, literally with no money, depressed, and even many of them, a high percentage, committed suicide. So if you think that money is going to answer all your problems, it's not. It's not. Are you content with the possessions that God has given you now? Because if you're not, you're going to think, man, well, I got, how, how am I going to make this happen? I got to do this. I got to do that. And you're missing the contentment. This, I, I gave you the story earlier of the Mexican and the American coming together, and the guy said, hey, well, let's get you more boats. Let's get you more fish all so that you can eventually retire with millions and do the exact same thing you're already doing. Listen, I know many of you right now, you're going for it. Man, I got to make double, double overtime, triple overtime. I got to do all that just so eventually down the road you could spend more time with your kids right now because that's what you're shooting for, right? I want to leave a legacy for my kids. But the legacy is where was dad? Where was mom? Where were they? See, we can get caught up in the society of today that says, go for it. Make as much money as you can. Make as much money as you can. Now, listen, I'm all for the investing. And one of these days, we'll talk about the investment. That's very important because a lot of people think, as long as I keep the money, that's how I'm going to save. You don't save by keeping. Did you know that? It's a biblical principle. You do not save money by keeping it. In other words, burying it in the ground. It's a biblical principle. You need to invest. One of these days, we're going to have a seminar on investing. Learn how to invest, think, but see, investing also takes a risk. It's not in my notes, so I'm giving you guys something else right here. Investing takes a risk. You're like, oh, man, I, I can't afford to get What do I do? I got, but when you do it all out, get the risk, high risk, high reward, right? But you got to be able to do it. So here, what I'm talking about here is understanding with what God has already given you, be a generous person. If you're a generous person in your spirit already, being able to give, oh, that's no big deal. Oh, wait, what, what do you need? Here, here you go. Oh, man, I got that. Hey, hey, what I have freely I have received, freely I give. The third level and the last level, and it can come to the piano, is the level of sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. It's the story of Mark in Mark chapter 12 of this woman who gave all that she had. This sacrificial level is the highest level. The highest level because this level is off the bottom. Your tithes and your offerings are off the top. It's your first fruits. Sacrificial level is your last fruits. When it comes to this, it's not giving off the top, but off the bottom. This is when it's not about how much we gave, but how much you have left. How much you got left. Now, I love it because there's a lot of men and women here. You're sacrificers. It's not a big thing for you at all. Because God has given you more than enough, and so you bless, and you're a giver. You just And nobody knows it because you just don't give here in the church. Remember, that's very important. Just don't give to the church. you got to be able to bless other people. you got to be able to bless other people. you got to be a blessing. But the sacrificial level is a level where people get to this place, and they understand there is an utmost absolute power in this level that can only be obtained if I learn what it is to sacrifice. Now, sacrificial doesn't mean that you're broke. I want to make this very clear. 
because we live in a culture. Remember, many of us grew up, oh, broke, broke. No, 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 no. I know a lot of people that are very blessed. Matter of fact, millionaires. But they live in the sacrificial. They sacrifice. It's no big deal to them. And for whatever reason, they keep giving, and God keeps giving them. Because I just read it in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 earlier. Talked about that. I say this because I want Victory Outreach Heart to be a blessed people. I really do. Man, I want to see you guys with new cars and new houses and new jobs and all these new positions and all the different. I really do. I don't like seeing our people coming to church. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I made it. I'm on E. For the 10th time today, but I'm here. Listen, I, I understand the struggle. We, we understand the struggle. We, we get that. You know, we're. You know, as they say, it's preaching to the choir, right? Preaching to the choir. And even if you knew anything about myself and my life, my father, I, believe me, I would, I would, I would wish I would have been a mama's boy. I wish I would have grew up, you know, having everything and being spoiled. My father made it very clear to me, you will not be spoiled. So I understand that whole thing, that whole concept. I really do. Now, now we can compare here all day. Well, I had it worse. Well, I grew up like this. Listen, we're not here to compare past stories. We're here to change future stories. That's what we're here to do. So if you want to compare the past, that's fine. So maybe some of you, you grew up in a real, real poverty stream. You don't even know how you're alive right now. I get that. But we don't want to compare those stories. Because all that's really doing is high signing and showing what the, how the enemy kept you oppressed. How the enemy kept you down. What we're doing right here, right now, is saying, look, I'm going to show you the victory that God has given me. I got $10, but this is $10 that God blessed me with. See, some of you, you're thinking you're only going to be happy if you have $100 or $1,000. No, you don't need that. When you understand the blessings of God, $10 is like, yes. I got blessed. Man, I'm, I'm blessed right now. The fact that you're alive, you're blessed. When you understand the sacrificial level, Sacrifice has the most power because the enemy understands that where there's sacrifice, there's God's power. See, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. So what did the enemy try to do? He tried to stop him from going to the cross. Now you ain't dying. You're not going to die. No, 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 you can't be a sacrifice. Why? Because the devil understood that if Jesus paid the sacrifice, everybody would be blessed. So when you get to this level, it changes everything. It changes everything. Now, I want to commend those of you that you've been here. Nobody knows your name, but you guys are sacrifices, and you know who you are. You're just, boom. It's, it's not a problem. It's innate. It's a part of just who you are. But I want to challenge each and every one of us to get to that level of generosity, that level of generosity where you're just like, hey, not a problem. Oh, how can I? Uh, or like the, apostle, uh, the apostles, hey, silver and gold, I ain't got none, but what I have, I give you. I just want to bless you however I can bless you. Can I bless you with my time? Can I bless you with my effort? Do you need something painted in your house? Hey, I can paint it. I ain't got money, but I can paint. I don't, I don't, hey, you need a ride? I, I got a car. Don't work that well, but hey, it, it works. It's got another seat in it. Let, let me bless you. It's understanding what it is to be a generous person, to be a giving person. My prayer is Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay is that we would be a generous people. Now, I know that this was more of a teaching than it was a preaching, but I wanted to get this point across to you because I want to make sure that we as Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay, that when we see those in need, that we don't just leave it and say, man, the church needs to bless them. Guess who the church is? 
us. We're the church. See, if we're going to make disciples, we're going to have to really catch on to the teachings of the Old Testament, the New Testament of Jesus Christ, of understanding what it is. I'm not going to give to God which costs me nothing. Man, I got it. If I'm going to sacrifice, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a little bit of time. It's going to hurt a little bit, but I got this. Now, for those of you that you're here today and you say, man, I came because I need a blessing from God, then I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray God's blessings over your life because maybe some of you, you are in that struggle right now. You are in that struggle of maybe going for you. You might get evicted next month, next week. I don't know. Your car might, you just might walk in there. You have to lay hands on your car and say, in the name of Jesus, God, start this thing right now. Maybe you're in that place. Maybe you're in that position. I'm going to pray for you. But I definitely want to pray for those of you that your faith needs to go to another level. You're not doing that. You're not living like that anymore. Maybe you grew up like that. Maybe that was your level of growing up. But listen, for some of you, it's time to stop growing old and start growing up. Start growing up. Say, okay, i got to stretch my faith. I've never done this before, but I'm going to try this. And I, okay, I'm moving on from 10%. I'm going to go 15%. You know, I'm going to go double, 20%. I'm going to do this. I understand what it is. Come on, i, I got to do it. i got to stretch my faith. i got to stretch my faith. That's how God works in growing, in growth. Here today, that's my prayer. That we're going to see men and women that are blessed. And when you hear the need, somebody goes, man, I'm, I'm hurting right now. This is happening. All of a sudden, your heart says, you know what? I need to go to action. Not your heart goes, hey, we should call somebody. And somebody needs to help him. That you move to action. That you move and say, okay, God, is this what's in front of me? Let me move. The Bible says the poor we will have with us always. There's always going to be men and women that are without. But what about the people that are with? The people that are with. Can we be a blessing? Victory Outreach Heart, we need to be a blessing to this city. That we don't take in and, okay, we get the, no, we need to be a church that is known by what we give. Giving back to the community. Giving back to those in need. Sending out missionaries. Giving to the world. Giving to the cause. Giving to the vision. Being a church that is generous. Helping out all over the world. All over the Bay Area. Helping out all over the city. Whatever we can do. That God, I believe that God is going to raise up men and women that have a mentality that's changed around. Flipped around. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I believe that God is going to grow millionaires in our ministry. Not just bring them, but grow them here. Men and women that understand what it is to have that millionaire mindset because you're a giver you're a giver you're a giver we're growing disciples in this atmosphere bow your heads father we pray for each and every man and woman that is here we pray blessings upon them their heart their mind their body their soul father have your way in Jesus name Amen. Now, this is what I want to do. Can you look with me? I want to pray for those of you, two different people. I want to pray for those of you, and we're going to be honest in this. Those of you that are without, that you need a blessing or a miracle from God. Like, you're honest. Like, it's just, it's been eaten away at you, and we're going to pray for you. I want to, that's the first altar call. Pray for the, those that say, man, I, I just, I don't have a car, but I, I, I need a car to get to work, and it's been hard for me, and it's stressing you out. Believe me, I get it. The anxiety. God doesn't want you to be anxious for nothing, the Bible says. Be anxious for nothing. But you want to get into the place that God has for you. Maybe some of you, you're looking for a house, and it's kind of just it's getting on your nerves. Like, man, what do I do? And this is just, it's so much. And you're even lashing out at people because you feel like God's not answering your own prayer. 
Man, I, whatever it is, and you're without. I don't know your situation and your financial, maybe it's physical, mental, spiritual, whatever it might be. I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you're saying you need God to intervene in your situation, we're going to pray for you. That, those are the ones without. And then the second altar call is going to be for those of you that you're with, but you need to stretch that with. you got to stretch that. You've been good, but you haven't been content. You've been looking at them credit cards, and you've been maxing those things out. Look at Some of you, with that plastic, you need to have plastic surgery. Putting yourself in debt. Getting yourself into a position where it's not good, it's not healthy. You gotta be very careful. Very, very careful. But you're with, but you're not being content with what God has given you. You're trying to go and trying to reach after, and you're putting out the wrong hand. You're trying to look for the hand to receive when God says you should put out your hand to be a giver. So I want to pray for two different types of people. I want you to stand with me here. Stand with me here. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want every head bowed and every eye closed, please, out of respect for God. Spirit of God, moving and ministering. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I need, God, I need God to intervene in my situation. I don't know what your situation is, and this is not to front anybody off. Don't think that all of a sudden, man, you know, they're, they're going to look at me. People are going to look at me different. No, not at all. Not at all. But you're saying, you know what, I need God to be in my situation. Maybe some of you, you have a lot of money, but you still need God to intervene in your mindset, and your discipline, whatever it might be. You need an intervention right now and watch God move within your life. If that is you, I want you to slip out of your seat right here right now i want to pray for you come on i want to pray for you slip out of your seat come to this altar and we're going to pray right here right now